Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Hey, well, welcome back. You got Doc Holliday's Tea Party here. I'm your host, Ed Holliday, and you're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net, and we are right smack in the middle of December. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. All that good stuff. Things are going around, and it's not getting any easier in the political world, and that's what today's show is about. We got one show that just you won't. To hear the whole thing all the way to the end, because I'm telling you, Herman Cain is out. Newt Gingrich is uh, on the top in a lot of polls. We got a lot to talk about there. Also, in today's show, the Tombstone of the Week Award goes to a speech. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's a speech, an economic speech, given by the President of the United States. Yes, that's right, President Obama. And wait till you hear what he got, what he said. And I'm going to comment on it, and you've probably heard part of the speech but wow 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 who is this man that has been elected and is in the white house and can he very i can't i can't believe he said the words he actually said so you don't want to miss this week's tombstone of the week award i guarantee you that now that's not the end though because we got samuel pierce who's samuel pierce tea party activist that has put together a book about the Constitution and our liberty and how it, what it means to us today. And that so many people have forgotten about it. And we're going to ask him about the Constitution and the Federal Reserve. So hang on to your seats. He's got some good things to say that you want to hear, some things that uh, you may not have ever heard before. Even if you're a Ron Paul fan, you may not have heard everything Samuel Pierce is going to talk about in just a few minutes. So we're going to give him a ring and an interview with Samuel Pierce. I want to tell you something. I've got a Rock of Liberty speech that I'm proud of. It's a story from history that very few people know. I doubt that you have ever heard this story. And I, my hat's off to David Barton at wallbuilders.com. Just go to wallbuilders.com. There is history there. It's like a treasure chest. And so many things have been left out of our history books. This is one story every American citizen needs to hear and you need to know it it's coming up in this week's rock of liberty speech at the end so don't you dare miss it this week let me just say uh is the <laughs> is newt gingrich the the grinch that stole uh christmas is he coming back to see what he can steal what's what's he doing or maybe he's santa claus is he santa claus bringing to the tea party and all the conservatives some something they've ha been waiting for a long time the presidency of the united states what is going on with newt It is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. 
Well, I guess a little Frank Sinatra to get us going right there on Jingle Bells. And it's that time of year, I have to tell you, that I love Christmas. I hope you do. I love this time of year. You go into Christmas and, a, and then a Happy New Year. It's 2012. And it will be the most important election this nation has ever had. And you listen, by the time you listen to today's show, you'll know what I mean. So this is a show you want to mark down, tell your friends about, link up to it, and I appreciate what you have been doing. We are growing. More and more people are listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party because of you. You're telling your friends, linking up our site, and so we appreciate our new listeners. Let me remind you, go back and listen to our archives. We have got some good shows back there, and there's, there's no reason why if uh, when you're checking email, whatever, just put Doc Holliday's Tea Party down as your favorite. It's one of your favorites and go there and listen as you're checking your emails and go back and listen to some of the archives because we are doing something and plowing ground. You hear things on Doc Holliday's Tea Party you won't hear anywhere else <laughs> anywhere in the world and that's we have got some international listeners. This is internet, so uh, if you got friends want to know about the Tea Party in other countries, go ahead, link them up to Doc Holliday's Tea Party, because we are making some waves. All right, let's let's get into today's show. I've got to tell you, Herman Cain is out. He suspended his uh, race for the president presidency. He's out. You know, I've I've liked so much about Herman Cain and what he brought to this campaign. He's no longer a factor in the race as far as running. But now, where does his support go? Where do people go? At one time, he was number one in the polls. It shocked a lot of people. There's some people out there who could not believe a Republican uh, nomination was going. There was an African-American ahead on top of the polls for the Republican nomination. Well, let that get through the thick skulls of this mainstream media it's not about race. It's not about the color of a person's skin. It's about the content of their character. And I'm glad that Herman Cain had his day in the sun as being number one in the polls. And I hope the liberals will remember that. I know they won't, but I hope they'll remember we're standing on principle. And I don't care if somebody's black, white, red, or yellow, or purple polka dotted. You get conservative ideas, and that's going to get this country going. And that's what this Tea Party's helping to tell everybody. Now, let me tell you about this race now. Newt Gingrich is, is coming on gangbusters. And the thing is, now that he's coming on gangbusters, he's getting attacked. Nancy Pelosi said, wow, she got some stuff, and then she had to back off because she couldn't be unethical and tell things that <laughs> didn't get out of the ethics committee, supposedly. But she's not the only one attacking Newt. All over the mainstream media, all these stories are coming out. We got Senator uh, Coburn of Republican Oklahoma saying he served with Newt in the House and he'd have trouble supporting him for president. Uh, Republican. Hey, Ann Coulter came out, put out some more dirt on Newt. And in fact, it's good. I think what Ann's doing, Ann Coulter and others, Now's the time. If you know any dirt on Newt, let's get it out. That man has some baggage, but the elevator, <laughs> the elevator can hold a lot of baggage. How much, how much baggage can you stuff in the elevator with Newt Gingrich, hit the button, and see if it goes to the top? How heavy is that baggage? 
we got to know now. So if there's any dirt, just like I said a few weeks ago of Herman Cain, bring it out. We got to see what it is. Let's don't wait two or three weeks before the election with Barack Obama in November. Yeah, the nominee, we need to know everything now. So I salute Ann Coulter. I salute everybody. You know a story about Newt. If other people know it, better get it on out. And he has so much baggage, but he still managed to rise up to the top of many polls, and even with Mitt Romney and others. And so I'm telling you, let's see how much baggage this, this super newt can hold. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's something that a lot of people can't understand. It's driving the media and the mainstream media crazy that some people think, newt, and they say, yeah, we want newt, we want newt. We can, we, we can make him look like the Grinch that stole Christmas every day. Hmm, hmm, is that who the Tea Party wants? Where do we go from here? You remember I said a couple weeks ago we had the show, and, and we talked about where do we go? Is this the best that the Tea Party can do? Get a choice between Mitt Romney and Newt Gingrich? Well, let me tell you, I'm going to remind you, we got a choice between Barack Obama and disaster, or we can go with whoever the Republican nominee is. And there's going to be people saying, ah, we need a third-party candidate. Get that junk out of here. Just get it out. I know former Governor Whitman's trying to get somebody to go with this mainstream or middle-of-the-road crew. All they want to do is going to be, you watch it, it'll be the, the, the far left, the money, the Soros people, they will put some money in to help somebody run as a third-party candidate, a conservative. They're going to do it. They're going to work hard to do it. We need to make sure there's not a third-party candidate, not one that gets any respectability, because all they want to do is make sure Barack Obama gets four more years in the White House. The Tea Party, I don't care if it's Newt. I don't care if it's Mitt. I don't care if it's uh, Bachman or Santorum or Paul. <laughs> you know, I don't think they're going to be in it. But I'm telling you, I don't care who the nominee is. Barack Obama being reelected as the president of the United States will be the worst thing that can happen to America. We shall get behind the nominee and America must prevail. Liberty and justice and freedom will only come from the patriots who get behind constitutional principles. Now, we have got a show. Wow, we got to move on. Did you hear the economic speech from Kansas? Same place that Teddy Roosevelt gave a speech. Let me just quote some words. Here's two. I'm going to give you a paragraph here. This is from Barack Obama's speech there at Kansas. Quote, but this isn't just another political debate. This is the defining issue of our time. This is a make or break moment for the middle class and all those who are fighting to get into the middle class. At stake is whether this will be a country where working people can earn enough to raise a family, build a modest savings, own a home, and secure their retirement. Hey, I don't disagree. That is, it's for the middle class. What are you going to do when you start killing jobs with all your government programs. That's what's going on. Why is this economy not up and going and churning, going full speed ahead? It's because of the programs. It's because of the policies of President Barack Obama, Nancy Pelosi, and Harry Reid. That's the stink that's killing 
jobs and keeping the middle class from growing and keeping the lower income from being able to rise up into the middle class. Now, this is what really makes me sick. This is what turns my stomach. And these are the lies that are coming out of the White House. These are lies. Let me read them to you. I, that's a strong word for some strong words that deserve this week's Tombstone of the Week Award from Doc Holliday because these words should be buried six feet in the ground with a tombstone on top and another tombstone saying, we shall not listen to socialism. Let me quote what our president told the nation. I hope you heard these words, and I hope they made you as mad as they're making me. It says, quote, It's a simple theory, one that speaks to our rugged individualism and healthy skepticism of too much government. It fits well on a bumper sticker. Here's the problem. It doesn't work. It's never worked. It didn't work when it was tried in the decade before the Great Depression. It's not what led to the incredible post-war boom of the 50s and 60s. And it didn't work when we tried it during the last decade. Unquote. Those are the words of President Obama. Those are the words. He said it didn't work. It's never worked. He's talking about capitalism. He says it never worked. Here we are in the strongest, most prosperous nation in the history of mankind. And our president says it's never worked. Come on. That is a bold-faced lie. That whole paragraph is nothing but balderdash. Balderdash, balderdash. When America understands what kind of president we have elected, we ought to, we ought to have every single patriot in America fired up in 2012. There should be no excuse that anyone does not have a registration to vote. I told you last week you are a part of the super committee, the Tea Party Super Committee, and that committee meets in November 2012, and we will have one meeting, and it's to make sure that every vote that we can find will be cast against this socialism that's coming out. These words came out of the mouth of our president. He said it's never worked. He says capitalism has never worked. It doesn't work, he said. Well, excuse me. Go to a country where socialism works, Mr. President. Go to a country where Uncle Joe killed people by the tens of millions and it still didn't work. Communism does not work, Mr. President. Wow. Wow. I don't know what else to say. We have got to get people fired up for 2012. If listening to the words of our president saying capitalism does not work, oh my goodness. Get fired up, folks. Get people out. This country cannot stand four more years of this far left wing socialism, this agenda to the far left. It's going too, too far that our president would have even the audacity to stand in front of people and announce these bold-faced lies. It's balderdash. It's balderdash. Now, Oh, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I just, that just cuts to the core, and that's why this week's Tombstone of the Week Award has to go to that economic, uh, I don't even want to call it speech, the economic lies from the White House in Kansas. Let me remind everybody right now, it's a good time to slow down and remind you, I do have a book out, Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics, Tea Party versus the Status Quo. And that book, the inspiration of that book is to make sure that we make sure that President Barack Obama does not get reelected. It's to get you fired up for the 2012 elections. It's to make sure you understand and that you have a commitment, that you have a duty to get out and make sure like-minded people are registered to vote. And this uh, presidential election should have more patriots, more people voting than it's ever voted before. And if people don't want to keep up the news, I don't want them to vote. I want patriots to understand how important the direction of this country needs to be. It cannot keep turning to the far left. It cannot and survive. So that's what my book's about. Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics, Tea Party versus the Status Quo. Go to my website, www.teaparty.ms. That's teaparty.ms. You can pick up the book right now for a limited time. We do have it on special for I Want It Under Every Christmas Tree. Everybody that needs to give a gift to a conservative or liberal, get it now. Order it. It's $9.99 for free shipping for a limited time because I want to get the word out. Get the word out. We have got a job to do in 2012. This book's to get you fired up. So get on and look at that book. Hey, don't forget to go to where'samericasjobs.com. Now, that's a website you want to know. Where are America's jobs? Well, you find out going to where'samericasjobs.com. We had Robert Estes on two or three weeks ago. That's his website. And it's very important to him that we have jobs here in America. Now, uh, we're going to go right into an interview with uh, Samuel Pierce. And Samuel has a website called www.constitutionliberty.com and has uh, some books out about the Constitution. Sam, welcome to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, uh, I, I met you actually face-to-face -face down at the Florida State Tea Party Convention, and I believe you live in Jacksonville, Florida. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, Samuel, tell us a little bit about this book, uh, the books you got called Rediscovering the Constitution and Guide to State Sovereignty and Individual Liberty. What, what caused you to write these books? Uh, basically, I had a passion for the Constitution. I like, uh, like the writings of Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, George Washington, and others. Always liked it since I've been a kid. It's been just like I said. It's been a passion of mine, um, Laura. You know, kind of for everybody. I think it's rediscovering freedom, liberty. What our founding fathers taught us. The books. Uh, the the passion is what drive, drove me to write the books. The passion from the Constitution itself is that, and and the founding fathers. Do do we see that anywhere in America today? I mean, are we still based on the Constitution? Well, I think the Constitution. Right now, it's eroding. Um, however, I do see a firestorm of people with like minds that are rediscovering it. 
rediscovering the Constitution, rediscovering liberty, you know, forming various groups, whether it's a Tea Party or Campaign for Liberty, etc. So that's good news. Um, and then on the other hand, of course, you know, all the excessive spending, regulation, uh, like I said, government taxes at the federal as well as state and local are, I think, uh, causing a firestorm of uh, people to kind of uh, rediscover the Constitution. Well, congressmen and senators and people go into Washington in administration, and some of them go with great <clears throat> ideas. And, and yet when they get there, I think it's so tempting to draw regulations to control. And then when you have control, that's just uh, intoxicating power, I believe. And it's, it's just generation after generation, we have uh, left very little for the states to control when it comes uh, to the federal government. Uh, how do you see that and, and how the founding fathers meant for our Constitution to be? Well, I think one of the most critical things was not so much the Obamacare, although that was absolutely you know, unconstitutional, the issue that I see is that Congress has advocated or, or, or given up their right of responsibility uh, back, I think it was in July or August, through the debt ceiling bill when um, they formed the super committee. So basically Congress was willing and complicit, all the members that signed on to that, that includes both Democrats and Republicans, um, and, and giving the authority over to the more towards that executive. And so there really isn't that federal checks and balances that are supposed to be limited and not only enumerated, but now they're being concentrated, concentrated in, in one branch, as I see it. So I think Congress, this new Congress, was supposed to come in and change things. In fact, they gave Obama more power. Wow, you're just talking about like Speaker Boehner, who uh, we told him to cut the spending and let's let's get rid of some of these government programs and powers. And and you're saying when he cut the deal with Obama, all that did is put more powers, more power in the hands of the president. Is that what you're telling us? That's exactly what I'm saying. If you if anybody thinks the government has been reduced the last two years or last year, uh, you know, has got to be dreaming and. That, it's unfortunate, but um, that's exactly what's happening. We're running up one to two trillion dollar deficits every year, and displays that the government isn't shrinking; it's increasing because the revenues um, that they're taking, they're spending more revenue than they're, they're they're getting in. And so, this this debt ceiling bill that was passed by the the, the current Congress set up a super committee where the the bills don't get appropriated through Congress. Now it's 12 people. Then the next step is to make it into less and less people and then move that responsibility over to the executive. So basically what Congress is doing is throwing the white flag and saying to Obama, eh, you know, do whatever you w wish. Well, wow. I mean, that's... And after all the Tea Party's fought for and, <clears throat> and turned to flip the House from the liberal Democrats and the power under the speaker of Nancy Pelosi flipped it over, gave to John Boehner, let the Republicans be in charge of the purse strings of the Congress, which we know in the Constitution, it says that all revenue bills shall come from the House, you know, have to go originate in the House. Do you think that Boehner is using those powers as, as he could use them? Well, I think that 
whether it's Boehner or whether it's Obama, uh, whether it's Nancy Pelosi or you know, Newt Gingrich, et cetera, they're all insiders. They've worked in the system. They know the system well. There's no reason for them to change. Basically, it would mean, you know, mean less power for them, less power and control. And that's, that's what basically these people that go into Washington really live for is for the power that's contradictory to the founders' views of a limited federal government. I think, but I do think there are solutions uh, to this, and I think they're not going to come from the federal government, but from the actual states. From the states, you see the the solutions actually coming from individual states trying different things. Is that what you're talking about? Well, I think the solutions will come through the states nullifying the federal laws. It will come to that because there'll be, you know, there'll be issues with the the debt, just like there is with Greece. That will be coming to the United States, and the states will have to decide what it is they want to do, whether they want to accept this monetary system or to form a new monetary system, um, because this one has been burdensome to the American people. I mean, we've seen a an erosion of the the dollar for the last. I don't know, 96 years, It's I'm sorry, not 96, almost 100 years, and it's lost over 96% of its value. That's been the fact of the Federal Reserve banking system. So I do see a clash coming. Well, now, uh, how do you nullify laws? I know every time you talk about nullification, then everybody takes you right back to the days of segregation in the 50s and 60s when the southern states tried to use nullification to uh, block federal laws, how do you actually start nullifying what the federal government does? By going back to the United States Constitution, explicitly um, you know, bringing those issues that the federal, the federal Constitution was a limited enumerated document, and those objects that were um, implicit in the Constitution dealt with specific things such as you know, the right to levy a, you know, um, a defense, war and appropriate bills for for small uh domestic items it was not meant to be um where uh for example let's bring up the health care the obamacare um this this now is a mandate of federal law that requires people to purchase specific private insurance in um private insurance that's not in the, that, that goes against the Commerce Clause. That's not a, a, a constitutional, you know, there's no constitutional provision for that. Well, I, I'm with you on that. And we're uh, uh, coming up to a midpoint here. Let me just remind our listeners that we're talking to Samuel Fierce. And in just a minute, when we come back, I'm going to ask him about the Federal Reserve and what he thinks about the Federal Reserve and the Constitution. But first, let me remind everybody, this is, Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. You're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. And we do have with us uh, Samuel uh, Pierce, and his website is www.constitutionliberty.com. And, Samuel, we're glad to have you here. And I've got to ask you a question. What about the Federal Reserve? Uh, is it like Ron Paul? Do we need to get rid of the Federal Reserve? Is it, uh, is it a constitutional uh, product? We absolutely need to get rid of the Federal Reserve System. Basically, what the Federal Reserve System does um, is take or 
issue out currency, and this is back, backed up by the taxpayer. So, for example, the year that the Federal Reserve Bank was established was the same year that the federal income tax was established. Now, there was a reason why both... Um, both systems were put in place. Well, why, why were both put, uh, put in place the same year? The federal income tax supports the Federal Reserve Bank, and there are certain mechanics that go behind that, um, the income tax. Most people think that the federal income tax goes uh, directly to the government for government programs. Uh, that's what I thought. Is that uh, not right? <laughs> that's, that, that's true to an extent. However, uh, when, you, when people look at the actual numbers, most of the um, collected revenue goes to the interest on the national debt. Okay. Right now, the Federal Reserve is, a, is the largest debt holder above China. But the interesting part is, is the whole concept of what the Federal Reserve does. And the Federal Reserve issues debt. <laughs> so basically, for every new dollar that is emitted into the economy or circulated, interest is attached so, for example, um, when we pay our federal income taxes, the IRS is the proxy or gateway uh, to the Federal Reserve. Uh -huh. Basically, we pay income taxes. That goes to the United States Department of Treasury. Well, the Department of Treasury auctions T-bills out, and the Federal yes. Reserve sets those, you know, sends the interest rate on the bills maybe at a quarter of a percent right now. Well, that money gets lent into member banks such as um, Wells Fargo, uh, Goldman Sachs, etc. All these banks that got bailed out a couple All of years ago. All these banks that got bailed out, exactly. And then they get to charge an even higher rate of mm -hmm. percent. So, for example, a credit card may be charged between 10 and 20%, or an auto loan may be charged at 8.99%, or a mortgage at 4 to 6 and a quarter percent. But that's the federal income tax money being transferred to the Federal Reserve Bank and then being lent out to member banks. And, and then the interest, you get to pay the interest off of your own tax money. Let but me go it, back and ask you what you said a while ago to help our listeners understand. When, when the income tax, of course, we, we make our checks out to the United States Treasury, and, uh, and that goes into the Treasury, and so the Treasury... They owed uh, money to the Federal Reserve, right? Because uh, they bar they have borrowed from the Federal Reserve. So. Well, they auction they auction the, the Treasury bills out to the to the debt owners. So China, the United States Federal Reserve Bank can go in and then they buy up the Treasury bills, but then they charge interest on on those Treasury bills that they buy up, and then they lend it out to member banks, but. It, it, it doesn't even stop there. With the Federal Reserve System, there is call, a thing called the fractional reserve banking. Uh -huh. And that means that they can exponentially multiply the money at 10 times the amount. So, for example, if I put a dollar into my checking account, that can be fractionally lent out at 10 times the amount under a, fra a true fractional reserve banking system under the Federal uh -huh. Reserve requirements. Uh -huh. So that's how the money is supply is expanded, and that's how inflation is created. So our tax money is not only going to pay the interest on the national debt, it's also being lent to member banks, and they're charging us interest back. But not only they're charging us interest back, they're also multiplying 
the amount of dollars in circulation through the fractional reserve banking system and creating inflation. So we're being taxed and inflated on our own money. Well, now that, um, when, when you say that, and the understanding, I, I think last week we found out during 2008 in a crisis that the Federal Reserve actually pumped in $7.7 trillion, loaned, them out, loaned that out to banks. So is there an unlimited amount of loans that the Federal Reserve can uh, loan out? I mean, they, they don't have any collateral because they just, they just loan it? It's, it's, they can issue as many dollars as they produce. And I think there was a, a speech at the Washington Press Club in 2002 by Ben Bernanke who explicitly stated this. He said, at any time in our nation's history, and I'm not quoting him exactly, but this was a speech to Milton Friedman, he said, we can use that the Federal Reserve has tools that can allow us to print as many dollars as possible, unlike gold, where and, it's fixed. And I, I know, uh, and that's what supposedly Bernanke's uh, claim to flame was uh, claim to fame was his uh, uh, insistence that the Great Depression should have never happened. It, they just didn't create enough money. They didn't print enough money, and that's what allowed the Great Depression to be so long and uh, horrible. But, well, what happened under the Great Depression? is a product of the Federal Reserve System in the late 20s and early 30s. When it was established in 1913, that's when it was first formed. But then, since they had this, since the Federal Reserve System was set up, it allowed the money supply to be elastic. So in the late 20s, you had people um, betting on stocks and margins, and they were able to do that through, because the Federal Reserve System allowed for a, uh, an elastic money, as they call it. Right. And so people over-leveraged on stock accounts, and so it was built, bid up so high, and then it came crashing. But that was a product of the Federal Reserve and its ability to uh, make the money elastic or to print money. Well, now, uh, we we got to finish up here in a couple minutes, but... What would happen if we got rid of the Federal Reserve, Samuel? Uh, I mean, exact, are, are we too far into it if we can't turn around? I mean, if we got rid, rid of the Federal Reserve Bank, would, we, would our economy not go crashing down now? It would do the exact opposite. We would flourish. How can you say that? Because we are not being beholden to debt. Mm -hmm. The system is based on, it, it, the Federal Reserve System is a debt-based monetary system. We would be back on solid footing. And I don't think, like a lot of politicians will say, that these things are 20 years fix. You know, this will take 20 years for the economy to fix. Our economy would rebound probably in three or four years. We would go through some pretty painful periods the first two years, just like any period where there's an enormous high and then there's a low. But then we build from there. Um, so I, I think there are a lot of positives uh, going in our direction. It's important that liberty-minded folks, you know, talk about these issues because um, getting rid of the Federal Reserve, getting rid of the federal income tax would be a blessing to the economy. We would well, see it flourish over in, um, in a short period. Samuel Pierce, that's exactly why I wanted to get on the Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I appreciate you sharing what you did with us and uh, invite all our listeners to go to your website and at uh, constitutionliberty.com. And anything else you want to 
tell our listeners, the uh, Tea Party folks across the country, Samuel? Well, I appreciate being on Doc Holliday's show. I think it's great. I think um, the future is, is in the Internet radio where we can discuss issues about the Constitution, discuss about the Founding Fathers, um, discuss about the limited, uh, limited enumerated powers that were in the Federal Constitution, and spread that message across. That was Sam Pierce, and you can check and go to his website at constitutionliberty.com. And great nuggets, one that we can't live without the Federal Reserve. That's what Sam Pierce says, and we ought to look into that. Another nugget is the Constitution, how, how the states can and bring the Constitution back and the limited powers going through the states. So let's see how that works in your part of the woods with the Tea Party group. Work with your state and see how you can help limit the federal government. I told you we got a great Rock of Liberty speech. Let me tell you about a patriot. You don't have to guess who he is. I'll talk about John Quincy Adams. You know he was one of our presidents. His father was also a president of the United States, John Adams. Well, John Quincy, a young man, age eight, he, was, he could march with the uh, soldiers, could fire the muskets. But as he grew up, and when John Adams was a diplomat, uh, John Quincy Adams, at the age of 11, was his father's secretary, official capacity. Age 14, secretary to the ambassador to Russia. President Washington, in his first administration, appointed John Quincy Adams in the Foreign Service. Said he was the most valuable man. And so John Quincy Adams grew up with the founding fathers. He loved America. He did go on and became, uh, held many positions in the State Department. He was a United States Senator from Massachusetts. He also became the Secretary of State. And then, yes, he became the President of the United States. And he's the only President of the United States that went from the presidency and went and got elected in the House of Representatives, served out the remainder of his life. What a patriot. One of the things that he saw that he detested his whole life and he fought his whole life to get rid of slavery. He knew it wasn't a part of a free country. And he worked hard and he saw that slavery blemish on America's thirst for liberty. And, he, and against all odds, when after he became president and as a, working in the House of Representatives for years and years, he tried to get people to come around to his side to get rid of slavery. He was not successful. He said, even if you could win the House, you'd never get the Senate. And John Adams, John Quincy Adams, at an older age in the, in the House of Representatives, fell over at his desk and died a couple of days later in the Capitol, U.S. Capitol. You can go and sit on the very couch he died on in Lindy Boggs' room. It's a women's lounge now in the United States Capitol building. But the very sofa that he died on is there. But John Quincy Adams did not see slavery end. He worked hard. He didn't do much good on slavery. But let me tell you about something. He died in 1848. 1848. But in 1846, there was a, there was a young man that got elected to the House of Representatives. He had run before and got beat. But he won in 1846 and came in office 1847. John Quincy Adams 
said, look, I got a plan to end slavery, a a three-part plan to end slavery. And then John Adams died. But this young representative, listen to John Quincy Adams. And in fact, he got to know him so much that he was one of the official congressional pallbearers. But the young man got beat after John Quincy Adams died. Two years later, he got beat, and he was never elected to another office until 1860. And he was elected to the presidency of the United States. Yes, we're talking about Abraham Lincoln, John Quincy Adams, the man who knew all the founding fathers, the missing link. And then he talked to this young man in 1847. It's only served two years as a House of Representatives member. And yet he became president of the United States in 1860. And guess what? He, He utilized John Quincy Adams' outline, How to End Slavery. Now you know the rest of the story. So don't give up. This Tea Party movement is not going to happen in one election in 2010 or even two elections. We've got to keep the pressure going, got to keep building. Like John Quincy Adams, we got people who may not make it, may not see exactly all the Tea Party movement will do. But get involved. I don't care how old you are. Get involved. Teach the young people. Let's work together. This is a movement that includes young, middle-aged, old, and we are moving to get the patriots fired up in this country, and that's why I'm doing Doc Holliday's Tea Party. That's why you listen. That's why we work together, and I can't wait to next week to see you again and tell you some more good news about the Tea Party movement right here going on in December. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide, from the Boston Tea Party to today's Tea Party Revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.